CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter and uh, use the hashtag CTR Live for this show and also hashtag leadership as well as hashtag bias. Today's topic is leading out hidden biases. And our guest for today's show is Bruce Chanelli, who's the vice president of IT and CIO with the TTX company. How are you, Bruce? I'm great. Looking forward to it. Great. Uh, honor to have you. Now, um, we, we know that we as humans inherently have a tendency to categorize others, especially as friends or enemy, good or bad, or people we want to hang out with and or do business with or otherwise. Then there are many other forms of categorization which we would use to uh, maneuver through life. So how do we impact our ability? Does, do these biases actually impact our ability to make rational decisions, uh, make great relationships, and work with others? We wanted to cover this topic today on the show and talk about those hidden biases which would often impede our ability, whether we are talking about contributing as an individual or as a group and see how these organizations are supporting removal of the negative biases which are actually being counterproductive. So that said, Bruce, the first question is, we are fundamentally born with these biases. So there's no two ways about it. However, there are some biases which we see people demonstrating and which are causing an adverse impact. So if you were to literally inventory or quantify what do you see as a material impact based on these biases? What would those be? Well, certainly, I, I, the material impacts are going to be uh, could lead to you know, loss of effectiveness, loss of revenue, uh, increased costs. Uh, I, I mean, you know, and those are very broad, obviously, but those are really the things that biases, uh, internal biases, can can lead to. It can lead to damaging, uh, you know, the performance of teams. Um, you know, to the uh, but then, on the other hand, you've got some biases uh, that potentially could lead to, you know, teams working more effectively. And a lot of those are, you know, teased out in certain uh, personality profiles and uh, different techniques that you can find out what type of style you have and, and you know, what your conflict, uh, you know, how you resolve conflicts or, or approach conflict. So there are both positive and, and negative biases that are that are involved all the time and um, I think that you know certainly not looking at the ones that or, or not understanding the ones that could be detrimental uh, will have all of those negative effects that, that I mentioned previously now we know that we will always have those biases and unlike other counterproductive elements you can manage things out but here we are talking about people who have fundamentally grown up with them, and that could be because of their cultural background, racial background, other type of uh, factors, the, the, the parenting, everything else. Now, are we really expecting those things to vanish or just get insulated out 
of an organization in a work setting? What is what is the goal? What is realistic goal for us to pursue in that regard? I think that the realistic goal is re- really we're talking about how a culture gets formed. A culture is the sum of the of the leadership and and their uh, method of leading and and kind of uh, the example that they set all the way down through each individual person. And like a, uh, you know, if we're going to consider that a bias could be like a virus, then I would say that the culture that you create is the vaccine. And you want to create a culture that uh, sort of questions assumptions, right? That's a good uh, methodology would be to say always question your assumptions, right? Because your assumption is basically built upon your biases. I did this five years ago. I know how to do it, and and it's like, well, is that assumption still valid, or is I don't like this uh, person or this particular uh, you know phenomenon, or um, say something like globalization, and that's not something that we really uh, you know some people might not like, and. It's like, can I, can I work through that, and how would I do that, and, and what's our culture? Is it an accepting culture, or is it uh, one where uh, we're exclusionary? And so that's what I would say, is that if, if uh, you've got to create uh, a vaccine that, that uh, you can uh, you know, give people as they enter your organization or, or potentially are already in your organization, that inoculates them against, uh, you know, against the... the say, the worst parts of, of your biases. One is to talk about survival instinct. So suppose somebody is asked to do something else or their somehow portion of their job is taken away and given to another individual. That kicks in, the sort of survival instinct may kick in and they may start saying things to not make that happen or suppose outsourcing happen. People were poo-pooing the, the whole outsourcing uh, phenomena. Now, that could very well be a survival instinct type of issue versus a bias. So if somebody is facing that, then as a leader, you would be a little more sympathetic. But if somebody is coming in with a bias and that has got nothing to do with them having any issues or directly impact on them, but they are poisoning the waters, how do you differentiate between the two states of mind and, and accordingly address? I would say that on the... On the former part, where you've got changes going on with your organization, that's clearly messaging. That's sort of getting back to this idea of creating the culture that you want to have and then messaging to it, saying, you know, setting a clear and consistent message about what you're doing and why you're doing it and being very open about it. And then it's also providing the right opportunities. I also think that there are, I've always used the phrase and I probably didn't coin it, but I don't know where I got it from. But it's uh, you know change your people or change your people, and a lot of it is it's 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 figuring out you know whose hearts and minds can you can you grab, and then recognizing that maybe there are some that that's just not going to work, uh, and then taking appropriate action in each of those cases. In the latter one, where you've got somebody coming in, I would say that where a lot of where a lot of leaders um, don't necessarily spend uh, enough time is, say, working with your HR professionals and try to figure out what makes, you know, what is your culture, uh, you know, creating the right tests or using tests to sort of tease out uh, people's biases or what they're like before they even come in. 
and then, you know, using that information to determine who do I want to interview, and then, of course, through the interview process, I'd say subjectively you're still going to get some instances where people will come in not really accepting of the culture you have, uh, but you can really cut down on that and you know, by using and, and uh, the techniques available to, uh, to, to your partners in HR, you can, you can really try to get people that fit the culture that you either have or the culture that you say that you want. When you go and uh, look at these individuals who are uh, developing it, uh, developing these biases or perhaps have those biases, not everyone will be a vocal to a point where they could get fired or they could see other disciplinary actions taken against them. For obvious reasons, because I'm sure they're also mature. Nobody wants to, uh, you know, shoot themselves in the foot by doing some things like that. And 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 in that case, you'll find a lot of passive aggressiveness or rejection of the ideas or a softer way to impede growth or in, impede innovation within an organization. So while you may see it, but you do not know whether it is coming because of survival instinct or the person simply is not happy in their lives or there are some essentially biases. So here the issue is more like I have a problem and I'm not able to find the root cause or point to the root cause. So how on earth do I put an inoculation in there? I would say that that in our, um, you know, say in our technology world or in the that most of us are providing technology services uh, as a benefit, or that's the skill sets that we bring to our companies, that we are uh, 99% at a professional level. We're supposed to be professional. Uh, that said, I think that uh, I'm not necessarily a believer that there shouldn't be any type of performance management. I think performance management is actually a very key thing. Uh, you want people to be engaged, and you want them to be uh, uh, and I think that you know engagement clearly, study after study shows that if people are engaged, uh, their performance is way up. And you see those things in the performance management. Admittedly, that's a you know sometimes a pretty blunt tool, but it's it is a tool that uh, I don't think is going to go out of style. If people are not buying into the message, you're going to see it, and that gives you an opportunity uh, to remessage, try a different tact. Um, to do a number of different things, uh, but also to to monitor performance because there's, I mean, you'll know when teams are not performing well, it's it's you can see it, and one of the worst things you can do is not take action, and and in reality, uh, holding people accountable to what they're supposed to do and can do is probably the most important part of developing a, a performance culture. So is organization only after performance or uh, a place where people are spending actually majority of the time that they're awake and have an environment which will lead to, uh, when we talk about culture, culture doesn't always mean that we are building culture because we want performance. We also want people to have that balance where they come to a place where they voluntarily want to come and bring ideas and or work well with each other, etc., so if, if it is beyond performance, then what is it being done in order for us to be able to say, okay, biases are counterproductive to building that likability among each other and the ability to, and the ability to work with each other? Well, there's, a, I mean, there's always work-life balance. That's part of it. So the, 
the the reality is though that you're here to perform. I mean, that's the reality. So we're here to perform as an organization, right, or as individuals. And you know, we're the the whole idea of the organization and looking out and and developing your culture and and making sure that we're not um, being subsumed by uh, different biases and passive aggressiveness and. You know, all of those things are, are put together, and, uh, you know, it, it, if a winning team, a winning team is generally a happy team, right? I mean, maybe not everybody, but um, in general, when you're winning, it feels pretty good. So if you're delivering success, uh, you've got balance, you've got, you're treated fairly, Right, all these things are tied up into it, and you know that everybody's being held accountable to the same standards. Then, um, you know, I would say that in general, you're going to ha- end up with a very happy team. See, when you use the word "happy team," that's awesome. Where someone is able to label a team as happy because they seem like they're hanging out with each other, etc. And then we say they are giving me a reasonable performance, or at least at least a level above the threshold. Now, in the spirit of continuous improvement and or maximizing potential of individuals as individuals and individuals as a group, these biases could be causing that counterproductive effect, which are based on the happiness uh, measure that we put in there. We may not be able to um, leverage the maximization of the potential because those biases may be killing it. But we don't see it because we are looking at a behavior or or on the face how the all the team looks. So how do we do? First of all, is it worth it? Because we can lose our sleep over it. That okay, while these guys are looking happy, there must be something wrong. So taking that negative approach, or we take a constructive approach and saying perhaps let's see what can be done to take them to the next level. Well, I I, I don't really necessarily make a distinction on how well they're doing today. You're always looking to go to the next level. Right, you could have a very high-performing team, and one of the really interesting things is that um, that that you know certainly you want to either uh, maintain or continue to make incremental improvements, no matter how small they are. With teams that say are not performing as well, you have a greater opportunity to turn them around, and then the you know the issue becomes. I mean, there's there's a, a you know a huge set of issues that could be involved here, of which you know, biases are part, but. Um, you know, you want to always be striving to improve, I think, even on a marginal basis. Uh, if you're not growing uh, or, or if you're, you're, not, you're not paying attention to getting better individually or as a team, then I think that you run a really great risk of, of, of losing that and, and being superseded and not really understanding why. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at what kind of diagnostics can be performed and what are the symptoms we should be looking for, which indicate that there are biases. And then should we work on mitigating the impact of such biases which are in place today and take measures towards that? Or we start fundamentally looking at the way those individuals are thinking so that we can remove it or remove those biases from their system. What would be a most effective approach? And before that, what would be a great way to diagnose? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back.
HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. So, Bruce, what do you think could be a, a fair way to diagnose um, if the biases do exist, and I'm sure we go with that assumption that they do, and what are the symptoms we should be looking for? Well, I, I, I think a big one would be lack of performance, right? So you, you, you can see if you've got underperforming either people or teams, and then you want to sort of delve into you know why that might be. Is it who they're working with or uh, what they're working on, and that that's, those things aren't? And so you've got you know hopefully a... a that's your sort of uh, management staff's ability to sort of divine what's going on uh, throughout, you know, each level of the organization and then uh, being able to sort of report that back up so that overall you can, you can get a sense as to uh, where the feeling is. Plus there's additional, there's, you know, typical surveys. You know, you'd send out a survey and make it anonymous and see what people say. Now, if you were to look at the, the adverse impact that this may be causing, would you, would you have strategies, uh, specific strategies, where you'd say, I'm going to get better at responding to the impacts when I see them, or you would say, I will start inoculating the rest of the crew? What's the mindset of the leadership? Like, Because you're part of the leadership group, and this is perhaps not the only thing that you talk about, but if this was to come uh, become a point of discussion, among you, what would be a good way to handle it? I think the best way is always get the message out. You know, it's it's you know typical complaint that you would hear from most people. They don't know what's going on in a corporation or you know from the leadership, even though a lot of times that information is available. So it's kind of like you know you've got to you've got to continue to try in different ways uh, to get. Uh, in front of people and explain the message about what you're trying to accomplish, how you're trying to accomplish it, and you know how that's 
how that's expressing itself at your place. I think in addition that uh, all the basic things that you typically do, it's, if, if you don't have a, uh, a mission, you need to write one. If you don't have values, you need to put them out. You need to say what they are, and you've got to live them. You can't just say them. So these are the things that a leadership team, I, I believe, talks about when we talk about um, you know, culture and bias and, and, and uh, you know, the change over time of, of, say, how a company is, is working internally as, those, you know, as, the person, as the personality of the company changes. And when you look at the individuals who you're trying to change, what is your way to approach them so that it doesn't look like as if you're trying to fix them? Well, I don't think you single anybody out. Certainly, when you message to the entire group or you talk to an entire group, uh, you give that same consistent message. But I also think that certainly on the opportunities when, uh, if you have them, to speak individually and, you, um, and, and you're hearing certain questions could indicate that, uh, that somebody's expressing some fear, angst, or uh, bias for or against what, uh, what your stated strategies are, that uh, you can take those opportunities to to more directly, and you know, give your message and certainly try to do it, in a, or I shouldn't say try, certainly do it in a positive light. But that's the whole point. It's an opportunity, you know, to message to say, you know, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, and uh, and live it. You know, you have to live those messages. Um, you can't be saying one thing and doing another. Would you say there's a risk in broad stroking? Um based on the type of approach that you suggested that we should have messaging which will help organization uh, the people within the organization to get the message like the broad message and let them interpret and start working on themselves versus at least taking making some attempt to understand people as individuals as well because because they may as individuals create an impact or they may come and poison the waters or create negative impact on a bigger group which will in fact have a bigger impact on the organization I think, I think what I'd advocate or I advocate is doing both. I mean, obviously you've got to work, uh, say, work with individuals. But when you single, I mean, saying how do you single somebody out? Um, you know, like I said, you've got to, uh, you have to look at things from the broad perspective because again, it is an organizational, an organizational issue, and um, it, we, it, it's, it's sort of like if, if people don't have um, sympathetic ears to, to, to listen to what, you know, they have to say. If everybody else is like, well, I don't know that I agree with that, then either it changes their behavior in terms of, okay, maybe I'm thinking about this the wrong way, or, you know, in other words, in an organization, right, the, the, the group think or the way that everybody thinks together, and group think has negative connotations, but, you know, certainly in this case, you want you know, sort of the idea that, hey, we're, you know, we're doing something that's important and we're all doing it together. And, and those types of attitudes, I think, and trying to get them in help, you know, bring up uh, others that are, that uh, for whatever reason, maybe don't feel that way. Do you think you'll be more effective in uh, not exactly solving this issue, but mitigating biases by having the group the, that individual belongs to who may have such biases to help support those biases out of that individual versus coming top-down? Because that typically is, you know, yeah, the boss says so. So I'm not well, sure if I really need to agree. Well, I, I, I think that's actually what I just said, that the, um, 
you know, the idea is that when you message, right, so let's suppose you've got 80% that buy in, 80% engagement, or even 60, right? 60 is, is, is 40% above the national average, you know, like in all companies across all industries, like 20% feel engaged, something like that. So if you had 60%, that's a pretty good thing. So the issue is now you've got, you know, your teams thinking about, hey, you know, we're engaged and, you know, like, like then it becomes pretty strictly you see who's doing the work and if you have people that just aren't going to buy the message, uh, they stand out pretty much. And um, it's, it's something that the teams themselves can help mitigate because uh, it's sort of like, uh, you know, we talked about inoculation. You've inoculated part of the population and that part of the population now is resistant to the, you know, to that virus. Interestingly, you you compared uh, the fact that people are engaged. That means they don't have biases. Are we are we assuming that? I think that everybody still has a bias, and there's or biases, and they may have them. But I think if they're if they consider themselves and they are actively engaged um, by the definitions definitions of engagement, I think that you've probably successfully gotten. Um, uh, help them subsume their biases for the good of the organization. And that's Remember, good enough in your view in terms of if we took performance and engagement as individual, as a, as a group, as a benchmark of what you were trying to achieve in the first place. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, think, think about it on a personal basis. And I'll give you, an, uh, you know, something from my own early career. I was a young um, scientist, and I worked next to a, a person on the other side, nice gentleman, um, but he had a habit of, uh, I don't know, the only way I can describe it is, is honking a nose, honking his nose. And I took a passionate dislike that I just, in, in, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself, right? There's your bias, right? Your personal bias, I don't like that person. And it was wrong. But, you know, a very big growth opportunity for me was that we had to work together on a project. And in working together with him, he was a, he was a smart, effective person. And we were able to get past, um, you know, my initial, you know, and it was me with the problem, and work through that until uh, uh, eventually we were friends. And when you think about things like that, it's like those are the things that help you get past organizational biases and personal bias. It's always a personal journey. So when I'm saying that people individually buy into messaging and, and they're effective and they're, and they're um, engaged in, in, uh, in your organization and in your company, then you have probably helped them move past any personal biases that they probably have. When you talk about engagement, Bruce, do you think that is related to, say, a conducive environment and or a specific exciting project somebody is involved in and that's what's creating engagement versus the ability to objectively think that if sometimes an organization says, hey, we are facing some tough times, we are in a recovery mode, but we need to do certain things, which may not very well align to the excitement that an individual may be looking for. But if a person was suffering from such biases, they would have tough time swallowing and working and working hard towards getting that organization out. It's almost like as a family, 
So if a family is in trouble, you want every family member to come in voluntarily versus having to push and not only when the life is good. So what we are talking about is engagement is perhaps based on an instance or a current situation that a person may be in versus a person is engaged no matter what. I, 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 I would disagree with that in the sense that you've got companies at different points in there. So if you've got an engaged workforce and they're aware of what's, uh, you know, say of what trial that your department or, org- or the entire organization is going through, engagement means that they're still, you know, they understand why it's there. They believe in their leadership and they're doing what they can, right? It's not about them. That's, that's where the, like, to me, the word engagement is much broader than I'm happy with a project I'm working on or I like my boss. It's, you know, I, I have some belief in what we're doing, and I believe that you know, the leadership has, has the ability to lead us where we need to go. That's engagement. And you'll see companies, right? So if you have, say, a leadership change, maybe you know, there's a group that like the past group of leaders, and so there comes in the bias, your natural tendency, maybe a little passive-aggressive. I hear what they're saying, but I don't necessarily believe them. And, you know, how does this affect me? Versus, uh, you know, let's say a group that's, like, very passionate about, hey, I understand, I see what needs to be done. They're, they're doing the right things, and so, therefore, I'm going to help them. And that's, you know, that's the level of engagement. And so I, I see this, you know, very much as the thing that helps you overcome your individual, personal, and, uh, and, and, and you know, team-based biases. So that's a great response, Bruce. So now the way I understood what you're saying is engagement is essentially a state of mind. And if you are in that exhilaration or, or, or you're at the top of your game and you're enjoying what you're doing, you have a momentum, then even though you have biases, which is actually an attribute which you use to process a given situation or making a decision, the way you make a decision on something, you're going to overcome it and get over. Do you think, though, that while you are in that zeal, in that passion, and you get over it, it's if the engagement level goes lower, and if you've not worked on the biases, it can come and bi- bi- haunt you, essentially? I believe it can. You know, I do think that, in, you know, depending on the, you know, the situation, you're going to fall back on, it, on how you're wired, uh, or I would say that, you know, the vast majority of people will do that. And that's just something to be aware of. And sort of as you go through uh, these different, you know, stages of the uh, of, of an organization, um, you know. So let's like let's look at an example that's been in the news over the last you know three years. It's uh, Marissa Meyer and and what she's had to do at Yahoo, right? So she came in and they had a particular culture, and so she made some rule changes. And you would have thought that you know she she'd kick somebody's dog. Uh, by the way, that it was all over the press in terms of, you know, less working from home. I want people here. Um, I want to know who's doing what, you know, and how much and how engaged they are and how they're doing it. And, of course, people's biases are, you know, she's just doing this because whatever. And you saw lots of things in the news, passive-aggressive behavior, and they made a lot of changes. And, you know, it's too early to say whether it's whether it will ever work if they're in a place where they can make it work. But certainly, that's the idea 
that you know recognize that as people fall out of this idea that this is more about me than it is about anything else, I'm concerned about me, and get them concerned about how is the organization going to perform because if the organization performs for those of us that are helping it perform, that's a good thing. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's talk as individuals. So, Bruce, perhaps I'll ask you, do you have biases and how you handle them? Or perhaps if you've spoken to an individual who you recognize as having biases, and what is their response when you confront them with such questions? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. So as a mortal human being, Bruce, I'm sure like me, you may also have biases as an individual. So wh- what do you do to first bring them to the surface so that you yourself are aware and conscious when they may be intruding and or, or causing issues in your own approach, the way they, you process things? And then how do you fight them out? A lot of it is, uh, is just time, right? As you get uh, cer- certainly... Um, your ability to to process information changes over time. That's why we all change. I mean, we're um, you know not particularly effective at it as teenagers, and um, um, what is it? The uh, prefrontal cortex doesn't really develop until you're uh, 25 or so, which is your you know ability to see long-term consequences for what you do today. And I think that what I'm saying is that there's a lot of development that goes on and a lot of experience in that um, if you're focused on, say, a lifetime of learning, that you'll, you'll sort of see uh, uh, how you tend to react in situations and then you know, try to emphasize your strengths and, and work on your weaknesses. Um, so, yeah, you notice over time that I have a, you know, a bias to do X, you know, maybe a bias, uh, bias for action. So I would be known as having a bias for action. Like, what are we going to do? 
But, you know, as you uh, get a little bit more experience, sometimes you realize that doing nothing can be doing something. Right? Hmm. So you, you sort of you sort of learn that, that maybe you know, maybe we need to be a bit more thoughtful about how we approach certain uh, certain issues. So when you look at yourself, you were able to kind of separate yourself from what's happening to you, and, and you know that requires maturity, emotional intelligence, and many other traits that you may have developed. Now, frankly, you've reached here, and that's why you are a leader. But an average, uh, otherwise a sharp individual who's still learning how to think and how to separate themselves from the individuals and the personalities and try to decipher all this. This is not everybody's cup of tea, and, and they definitely need help. So when you fight it yourself, you see how tough it can be if you did not have that mindset. So what do you do to help others in the organization or what, as, as anyone in your role, what you can do to help them develop that muscle, if you will? I will go back to what I said earlier, and that's uh, one of the things that that uh, sort of a mantra that I like to repeat over and over again is challenge your assumptions. Right? An assumption is, is based upon your experience of the bias, and so it's like challenge that. Is that real? Am I really, you know, is this really... Uh, making sense when I when I step back and I look at it does is 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 what I think um, you know 100 percent and 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 should I should I really be considering some other uh, some other viewpoint here so challenge your assumptions is the number one thing that anybody can do to sort of decide you know am I using a bias in a in a negative way. And when you are looking at other individuals who you try to help, what do you think that they suffer from which prevents them from taking your advice and or follow your lead to get to where they want to? What are, what are those, those stumbling blocks that they face as in your experience as you try to mentor or coach them? I would say that you know, the largest one is um, it, it's 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 adaptability. It's it's when you don't like you can say you want to change, but actually changing is actually is pretty hard and difficult for most human beings. So that's what I would say. It's the it's the ability to adapt and um, you know to look at things in terms of uh, personal growth. Um, so those are those are areas where you know frequently um, you know you may think you're willing or say you're willing, but, you know, are you, are you kidding yourself or are you really willing? You know, making it happen is the biggest thing of all. Now, would you say there is a, a, a method to the madness of where the biases may exist, but then you purposely bring diversity in the workforce, you bring such programs such that it automatically starts making people come out of their you know, pigeonholes, if you will, and then it will foster that camaraderie. And slowly the, the biases would essentially reduce to a minimal level. They may perhaps not get eliminated altogether, but they will be smaller infections, if you will, which may not really cause you material harm. Well, I think that we talked about that biases are both good and bad, right? So something that's bad in one respect could actually be a good bias. The same bias could be good or bad, depending on the context. 
Um, so somebody's bias for, say, rule following. They have to follow the rules. Um, that person may actually be very good as a project manager and you know, getting things done on time and making sure people show up and you know, to the point where it really bothers you know, sort of everybody else or it stifles creativity and, and uh, you know, free thinking or, or um, you know, any outside influence whatsoever. Uh, so, so that can be good or bad depending on what the organization needs or the team needs. And so getting a balance of individuals that, um, you know, or at least understanding, you certainly wouldn't want everybody in a, in a particular team to be that same way because then you wouldn't have a very creative team. Uh, but you might you might blend and balance the members of that team, or at least understand what's on that, and use that team to what they would be good at. So, if you were to go out and help other, like you know, training the trainers, so yeah. like you yourself are are at that level, it, it's very obvious that you are thinking through things and you are objective in your approach, and and that's why you're a great leader. But then you got lieutenants. They themselves could have biases which you can directly work with, but then there are so many levels in any organization. You can't go and touch everyone, and you cannot really broad stroke and assume that all those biases will get minimized. So what do you do to train the trainers? Persistence. It's the same thing. It's, it's, you know, it's that personal, uh, personal message, right? It's the, ex- the expectation and then holding accountable that the team will, will perform uh, at a particular level, uh, without or in, you know, in a manner that supports your overall overall organi- organizational. Sorry about that. Get a little tongue tied. Organizational, strategic, and um, strategic uh, um, direction with the values that you say you uh, have put together. The values that you say that are important to your organization. And now who decides what values? Is it the ivory tower approach to say this is what we will decide as executive management and then we'll broadcast and that is what everybody will need to live by? Or you, in order for you to get the support and people genuinely, wholeheartedly following what you're saying, you need to be inclusive in the very value system that you generate or create for an organization. I think you do a little bit of both. I mean, certainly there's, you, you can put, um, usually, it is up to the leadership to decide these are the values that we're going to that we're going to run the company by, and I actually do think that that's important. Again, you have to live those values. You like if that's the that's where it comes from. Uh, that's your bedrock, and you want to design your organization around that. Um, certainly, if you come in and and you know it's kind of like. Um, um, you know, while you want people uh, to be, you know, happy and engaged and to um, sort of work towards the uh, organizational goals and believe in them, and that's going to happen to a various degree by, by person, and you can have, like as we've discussed, you'll have people in all various levels. But those values, um, they really should come from senior leadership. This is what this is what these are the values that this company holds, and there's no different than you know say any other organization. 
You've seen, I'm sure, like many of us, that there have been many organizations where the values, if you were to look at their business plan or otherwise what they at least put out there in public, look pretty good. But then you do see uh, lack of an effective culture. Then you, of course, see people within that organization having biases and things are not going right. So leadership is the one who started all this. So was we can just discount all of this as just a matter of bad execution or there is something else? It's a failure in leadership. And failure in leadership because they just kind of put some wordsmithing effort in there but did not follow through in terms of working with the people to get their biases out and give them exciting work to build a culture or they just just did not do their job of broad stroke messaging that you mentioned actually to some extent works when you keep communicating with the world out there, like your organization at least. It's both, right? It's both. You know, you need to, you, know, you, you, but in reality, so you look at some of the large, you know, large organizations and I'm sure that they have, um, you know, not to single out, I won't single out any particular industry, so I won't, but I mean, just read the newspaper and you'll see over and over again where I'm sure that if you were going, you were to look at you know, some of the large uh, institutions that we've seen lately have had uh, relatively, uh, let's say, bad behavior in, uh, all in the, say, the sake of making money, that um, you know, while you can say that we're going to do things with integrity, and, um, but if that's not how you actually act all the time, and there's at some point where it's a slippery slope and you let something go, then it just continues to roll down that hill. And the same is true across the board. People see that and then they wonder, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to act a particular way if, if, if that's how you know, these other people are doing stuff. So it, it's something that snowballs and it's, it's well known. So you know, if your leadership's going to put values out, you have to live the values. And then you have to be willing to do the things that are necessary, you know, when they're necessary. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's look at specifically, now that we are in this multi-generational workforce, and then we have many other ways, the way people are thinking, and, um, and then other factors which are causing organizations to fundamentally rethink how the next gen workforce will look like and what would be the environment which will make it conducive for all of them. What are we doing as part of reorganization uh, effort and are part of rethinking the organizations to make sure that we also start mitigating biases as part of that whole uh, effort? So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www. Bosch-SI.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. 
HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, if you were to already start looking at reorganization of of the workforce and the way the culture is developed in any any company that you know, because a lot of things are changing, what would you do to put specific tactics or strategies in place so that we also mitigate biases in the same process? Well, I think that, say, mitigate or take advantage of, right? So the, Yes, you're right, yes. So I would... Like, look in terms of, you know, there's a lot of discussion about millennials or the new, uh, say, younger people coming into the workforce. And um, they live very collaboratively, which is good for teams. That's a bias. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, we've spent probably a good portion of our early careers getting told about how to make teams more effective and get people to collaborate. We, we're raising a whole generation that, that's what they do. So how do we take advantage of that bias? Um, there could be other biases that they have. They come in expecting, um, you know, ex- uh, there's a you know, huge volume of literature that talks about that they have very high expectations about how they're going to be treated in the, in, in, in the office, that you know, certainly top-down authoritative uh, management styles may clash with, you know, some of those uh, some of those biases that they've come up with through uh, through our educational system. So I think that you uh, you have to start changing uh, how your organization, um, and it could be a little bit rough at times, but changing how your organization approaches and both uh, looks at those biases and then either uses them and or um, attempts to, uh, say, work within itself to, uh, to mitigate any tendencies that um, sort of could be antagonistic to your ultimate goal or your strategy. Now, in in your way, in 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 the way you've seen on and you've led organization in your groups, what do you think would be the type of mindset that you want your rest of the leadership to have, in order for these biases to not uh, create issues? Well, I, I, you want them to understand that uh, it's important to uh, figure out uh, the engagement points of all of your uh, people. And, it, and uh, again, you know, once as you see things are sort of changing, your workforce is changing. It's to understand in what direction is it changing, and how can we facilitate it, you know, in the best direction, in the best interests of our strategy of what we're trying to accomplish 
as a company. I mean, reality is that's why we're here. I mean, it, like companies are here to you know provide products and services, and so we can't forget that it's. I mean, it's not the be all to end all. We want employees to be happy, and human resources or the people are 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 the most important um, asset that any company has. So you want those assets deployed in a way that that again that they're providing the most value to you because that's when you're the most successful. When you look at the upcoming leaders who are thinking differently than you and I thought, would you say that that change that that change of approach to how they look at whether we should be treated well versus not is that a bias or is that a genetic de- like you know reorientation if you will of some sort? Well, that's the bias that they've. I mean, that's nature versus nurture, right? And I would say that um, certainly there's not been enough time for any sort of uh, nature, in other words, Darwinism and action, to, to really have taken place. So you're really talking about how uh, we've nurtured the, or things have genera- generationally changed over the last, say, 50, you know, 50 plus years. Um, there have been massive changes, and 50 or even, uh, well, not quite six. Well, you're in 2015, so it's 55 years. You're talking approximately three generations. It's a blink of time in, in, uh, you know, the whole human condition. So, um, but we've seen massive changes in, in technology and, and, you know, how, what that means for, uh, you know, this, this group of uh, young people that are now coming into the workforce. And I don't think you can underestimate the impact of that. Final question, quick one. What would be your message to the leaders out there, maybe the top-level leaders or the level below, so that they are able to effectively lead their respective organizations or groups to minimize the impact of adverse type of biases and take advantage of the, the better ones? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat myself, third strike, and I'm out, right? Last question. Challenge, <laughs> challenge your assumptions. I mean, challenge your own assumptions. So if you've been a leader and, and, you know, you've been a leader for, I can't tell you the number of peers that have said I've been a, you know, a, a, you know, a CIO for 15 years, different companies. What you did 15 years ago is not what you need to be doing today. And that's the assumption you have to challenge, that, uh, you know, leadership changes and, you know, how it expresses itself with your groups, they all change. Challenge your assumptions. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Bruce, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations and individuals can work on themselves or the ones who they lead and or think on and uh, care for so that they are able to lead those biases out, at least the ones which are impeding their ability to perform, and also harness the value of those positive biases so that the value is indeed created for themselves and for the organizations they belong to. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. Got some uh, thinking uh, nuggets here. So please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, 
please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.